couple weeks ago, Emily and I were in the Holy Land on a group trip. And ever since I've gotten back, I've become more and more aware that you and I have a lot of decisions and a lot of choices to make every single day in our lives. And I've become more aware of this because when we were on the trip, we were part of a group trip. I don't know if you've ever traveled on a bus tour with other people, but we didn't have to make many choices at all. Every day, they would schedule our wake-up calls for us. We would all go eat breakfast at the same place. We would get on the tour bus, and we would go wherever the bus took us. And then at lunch, we would get off at the place that they chose for us, and then we would get back on the bus, and we would get dropped off at the hotel that was already planned, and they gave us our key card and our rims. Really, the only thing we had to decide was whether we were going to go on the trip. And then when we were on the trip, the only choices we had to make were whether we thought the 10-carat gold necklaces that were crosses for $10 that the guy was selling were real or not, or whether the orange juice and all of the fruit juices they were selling on the side of the road, whether we wanted to drink those and if they would make us sick or not. And we didn't drink them, and so we were okay. But those are really the only choices we had to make on the whole trip. And I don't know if you've been in a situation like that, but it is actually amazing. It is amazing not to have to make choices and to just go along for the ride. And, you know, you and I live in a world with a lot of choices. We live in a lot of choices, and sometimes those choices can be empowering, but sometimes it can be tiring. And, and since we've gotten back, you know, we've been doing that thing that some families do, some couples do, where one of us says to the other at night, hey, what do you want to do for dinner? And the other says, well, I don't care. What do you want to do for dinner? And then the other says, hey, well, let's go out to eat. Well, where do you want to go? I mean, we can go to all these different places. And it's like, well, we always go to the same places. What do you want to do? Maybe we'll just eat in. Well, let's watch TV. Let's watch Netflix. Well, what do you want to watch on Netflix? And 30 minutes later, you're still going through all the choices. And our choices just add up day after day. And, you know, it's funny because as Americans... We love choices, right? I mean, that's kind of the, one of the foundations of our society. We love choices, but now there's been this explosion of choices, and there's more choices for us to make now more than ever. I mean, if you go to Kroger, go down the ice cream aisle. I want you to do this this week. Go down the ice cream aisle, and you will see that it is as long as this stage, and there are about 100 different flavors that you can choose from. That's just ice cream. Then, if you're, say you're interested in dating somebody now, you can go download 25 apps on your phone, and you can have hundreds of people to choose from. I mean, it's crazy, right? You can go to the bookstore, go to Books A Million, and you can find a million books on how to raise your kids. And you have to choose what you think is the right path for you and your family. I mean, there are more choices now than ever. And at times, like I said a minute ago, it can be empowering, but at other times, it's just tiring. It's just tiring to make all these little choices day after day because let's be honest, it doesn't matter if we eat at Chili's, Applebee's, or Longhorn's, right? It doesn't really matter in the end. It doesn't matter if we go and we get the three items we need from Publix or from Kroger or from Walmart. It's not that big of a deal. But those are choices that don't really matter much, and that's a lot of the choices we have to make in life. But then there's this whole other set of choices that are very important choices, Choices that we do need to make, choices that have a big impact on our lives, choices that can change the trajectory of our lives, choices like how we're going to spend the rest of our lives, how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to spend our money, how we're going to treat other people, who we're going to marry if we choose to get married at all. There are a lot of unimportant choices, but then there are also a lot of important choices. And this morning, I want to talk with you about one of those important choices 
a choice that I think is actually the most important choice that you can ever make in your life. And I want to talk to you about this choice because this choice has the power to transform your life, not just here and now, but also in the future. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that choice this morning. But before we do that, I want to say a word of prayer, and then we're going to open up the Bible and study it together. So let's go before God in prayer. God, we thank you for this day to gather as a church. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray in these moments that you would speak through me, speak despite me, and God, that you would speak a word directly to us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, you know that we kicked off a new sermon series called Famous Last Words, where we're looking at the final words of Jesus, his final words on the cross before he died. And last week, we looked at some famous words of Jesus where he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And we talked together about how through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can have forgiveness for our sins. And this week, we're continuing in Luke's gospel, and we're looking at some other famous last words of Jesus that occur really just after those words. So these words are in Luke chapter 23, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to them as we look at the next words that Jesus said. And so Luke in chapter 23, beginning in verse 32, he kind of sets the scene and he says this, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus. And he said, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He rebuked the other criminal and he said, Don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Some of you who followed the news probably heard this week that the Reverend Billy Graham passed away. On Wednesday morning, he passed away in his home in Montreat, North Carolina at the age of 99. And um, most of you in here probably know who Billy Graham is, but there's a generation of you, maybe you don't. Billy Graham is really probably the most famous preacher and evangelist of the last hundred years. He's estimated to have preached about Jesus to over 215 million people in over 185 different countries. I don't even know how many countries there are, but that seems like a lot of them, right? 185 countries. He has had a profound impact on the world, and really thousands, if not millions of people, believe that that God speaking through him transformed their lives as they came to know Jesus. And ever since I was little, I've always admired Billy Graham. I've always loved watching preachers on TV. And so this week when I found out about his passing, I was a little sad because I've always admired him and how Billy Graham could just just speak to people right where they were. He could communicate with them in an effective way about God's love for them 
and how, how much Jesus loved them and how he died for them. And he had such a powerful ministry. Um, I wish I had gotten to meet him, um, but I won't have that opportunity on this side of eternity. And since we're in this series, Famous Last Words, I thought it'd be cool to look up the last words of Billy Graham, right? Because last week we talked about how someone's final words a lot of times seek to convey an important message or the legacy they want to leave or or something they want people to really know. And unfortunately, his family didn't release what, what his last words were, so I don't have that for you today. But on his memorial website, he has a section entitled, the message. And on this website that was set up after his death, which communicates different information about his life and the arrangements and stuff, there's kind of this encapsulation of all of the sermons that he ever gave, and there's an encapsulation of the core of the message that he wanted to communicate. And in this message, he tells a story about a very important choice that God made a long time ago. And I want to tell you this story because I believe this choice that God made is important for us to understand before we make really the most important choice of our lives. And so Graham tells the story that one day he was walking with his two young sons. And they were walking down a country road and one of them stepped on an anthill. And the anthill scattered, it was destroyed, the ants were running everywhere, some of them had died, some of them were were kind of mangled. You know how it is when you step on an anthill. And his son said to him, Dad, wouldn't it be great if we could go down there and we could help them? And we could help fix this situation um, that's now been caused because of us stepping on the anthill. And Graham said to his son, well, that, that would be great if we could do that. But we're too big, and they're too small. And so we wouldn't be able to communicate with them. And then he saw his son kind of churning that big thought over in his mind. And then Graham thought it would be a great time for a spiritual lesson. And now, if you're Billy Graham's sons, you probably got tired of all his spiritual lessons, right? I mean, there's probably some really profound ones that you really wanted, and there are probably a bunch that you're like, okay, Dad, save it for the stage, you know? But here... He offers his sons this lesson, and he tells them this. He says, you know, sons, God looked at us when we were just little ants crawling around on this little piece of dust called earth. And God wanted to communicate with us that he loved us. He wanted to communicate that he loved us and that he was willing to pay the price in order to repair the relationship between us and to change our lives and to change our world. And so he asked them, he said, do you know what God did? He tells them God chose to come into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. God chose to enter into this world. That's who Jesus is, God in the flesh. So that the gap, the gulf between the creator and the creature could be restored. And then he goes on to quote John chapter 3.16, which was the foundation of his ministry, which I try to make a foundation of my ministry, which says this, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into this world so that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. And so Graham, in one of his final messages, tells us about this decision that God made. God, after he created the world good and gave us some freedom so that we could choose a relationship with him. He, he saw that, that humanity that we had chosen to actually go against him and, and to do our own thing. 
And he looked down at the world, he saw the sin, he saw the brokenness, he saw the pain, and he chose to do something about it. He chose to step into the world and to bridge the gap with Jesus Christ. That's a huge decision. But that's what God chose to do. And when Jesus came into this world, Jesus had a lot of decisions to make as well. He had a lot of choices. Jesus made a lot of unimportant choices, and he made a lot of important choices. Jesus, after all, was fully God and fully human. So he had to figure out what he wanted to eat each night as well. And Jesus, in his life, made a lot of choices, and they're important for us to study, and we read about them in the Gospels. And they're important for us because it's important to understand some of these choices of Jesus before we make this choice in our lives. Because these choices of Jesus can help guide us. And so one of the important choices Jesus made was just before he began his public ministry. And if you know the story or timeline of Jesus' life, um, you know that we don't know a ton about his childhood. But then one day he was baptized by John the Baptist. And that really kind of kicked off his ministry. But right after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he was tempted by the devil. And the devil went to Jesus and said to him over and over again, Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, why don't you use your own power to serve yourself? Jesus, if you're the Son of God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Jesus had a choice there. Was he going to try to be right and prove that he was powerful and that he had the power to do all things? Or was he going to be faithful to God, faithful to his mission, and choose to have his identity rest in who God said he was? And so Jesus chose not to serve himself, but instead to serve other people. And we see that throughout his ministry. Jesus' mission can be summarized in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that Jesus came to seek out and to save the lost. And throughout his life, we see him doing that over and over and over again. And we ultimately see it culminating with the cross. Where Jesus chose not to save and serve himself, but instead came to die and to save and to serve us. To save and serve you and me. Because you see, the cross wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew that he was going to lay down his life for the world. That that was God's plan for salvation, for redemption. But when you read the Bible, I mean, when you read it, you kind of see the people in this world who, who were crucifying Jesus, who were having him arrested, they meant it all for his death and for his destruction. But God, in a mysterious way that's hard to understand, was at the same time working all those same things for good. God was working all of those things for our redemption. And on that cross, in those final moments, Jesus had a choice to make. Because on the cross, we read that people were mocking him and people were yelling him. They were tempting him just like Satan did. They said things like this, hey, Jesus, if you're really God's Messiah, the chosen one, then save yourself. Save yourself. Save other people. They said, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you do something right now? And in that moment, Jesus could have called down legions of angels. He could have walked right off that cross. But instead of saving himself, Jesus chose to die and to save us. 
He made that choice. And that was a very important choice, a choice that transformed the world. And then when he's on the cross, we get the opportunity to listen in on this conversation that he has with two people being crucified next to him. And Luke gives us that account, the account we read earlier, the account that Joe sang about. And we don't know a ton about these criminals from Scripture, but we do know a little bit. We know that they were both criminals. That they had both done things that were worthy of execution by the cross. And so generally that meant a violent crime or that they were some kind of threat to the state. We know that both of these guys were within shouting distance of Jesus. We know that they heard everything going on. We, we know that they were both guilty of their crimes. And Matthew and Mark also tell us this, that at one point, both of them were yelling insults at Jesus and were mocking him. And so all of that's going on. And in this scene where we have these two criminals with Jesus in the middle, all three being crucified... We see that day that those criminals had a choice to make. A very important choice. And I think that choice is important to understand because that choice has an impact, I think, on our choice, the most important choice we can make in our lives. And so when we read Luke's account, we find this. We find that one of the criminals, in his final moments, he mocks Jesus. He mocks Jesus, and basically with the same words that everyone else was saying, he says to him, aren't you the Messiah? Can't you hear it in his voice? Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us if you are. And that man chose to reject Jesus. He chose to go his own way and not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He rejected him and his love. But then this other criminal chooses to defend Jesus in these final moments. He says to the other one, don't you fear God since you're about to die? We're both guilty. We're being punished justly for what we've done, but this man is innocent. He's done nothing wrong. And Luke doesn't tell us why this man has suddenly had this change of heart. Because Matthew and Mark tell us that earlier he was yelling insults as well. We don't know what changed, but we know in those final moments of that man's life that something changed inside of him. And maybe... The last few years, he had seen Jesus going around and preaching and teaching. Maybe he had seen some miracles that Jesus had done, and in those final moments, those came back to him, and he believed. Or maybe, maybe when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, he realized that a normal person can't pray that while they're being killed. And somehow he recognized Jesus' divinity on the cross. Or maybe it was the sign above the cross that said, King of the Jews. And as he, he sat there and he looked at it and his suffering, he thought, you know what? Maybe this guy is a king. We don't know exactly what happened in his heart, but we know that there was a transitional moment. We know that he made a choice. He made a choice to recognize Jesus for who he was and to receive him into his life because we have these words that he says to Jesus. He turns to Jesus and he says this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here, remember is an interesting word because in the Old Testament, in the Jewish writings, when we hear this word remember, when God remembers somebody, it means that 
that he acts on their behalf to save them. He acts on their behalf to deliver them. And so he's saying, remember me, deliver me when you come into your kingdom. And he's recognizing here that Jesus is a king, that Jesus has a kingdom. And so he's turning towards Jesus. He's asking for this relationship. And Jesus says to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. those words from Jesus shouldn't be that surprising because Jesus' response to this criminal in these final moments of his life, I mean, that's what Jesus did throughout his life. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came into this world. That's what he did in his ministry. That's what he was doing on the cross. That's what he did for that man that day. That's what he does for you and me now. He said, truly today, you will be with me in paradise. And paradise there is a reference, a reference um, that they, they would have known was referencing a garden. It's a reference back to the Garden of Eden. In Jewish literature, that's what paradise often had connotations of. In the Garden of Eden, when humanity and God lived in a perfect relationship, a relationship full of love. It's a reference that also points forward to eternity when we will be with God forever and spend eternity in His presence in a loving relationship. And so Jesus is saying, look, today you will be with me and with my Father in a relationship of love. You will spend eternity in my kingdom, a kingdom of love, of peace, and of joy, and of salvation. Jesus offers this man salvation in these final moments. And this man's life changes for those few hours that he continues to live and for the rest of his eternal life as he goes on to spend it with Jesus. That day, you see, there were three crosses and there were two men on the other side of Jesus. And those two men each made one choice. One choice that was the most important choice that they would ever make in their entire lives. And that choice was, will they recognize Jesus for who he is and receive him into their hearts and lives? Or would they reject him? And one of them chose to recognize him and receive him. And that choice made all the difference. That choice made all the difference. And that's the choice that you and I have to make at some point in our lives as well. Will we choose to recognize Jesus for who he is? The Savior of the world, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Will we receive him into our hearts and our lives? Or will we reject him and just go about our lives without him? And this choice is the most important choice we can make because it impacts us not just here and now. It doesn't just have the power to transform us here and now. It also has the power to transform where we'll spend eternity and how we'll spend eternity. And this choice, this choice we make when we recognize Jesus and receive him into our hearts and our lives, it it comes with, with some great gifts. Because when we make this choice, we receive the gift of forgiveness of our sins. That's what we talked about last week. 
When we receive Jesus into our hearts and lives, God promises to forgive us for our past and to give us a new future. And that's good news. I don't know if it's good news for you, but it's good news for me. But not only that, he also promises us a place in eternity that we can spend forever with him in his presence, worshiping him. And that's good news. And then when we receive Jesus into our hearts and lives, we also receive God's spirit living within us. We receive the Holy Spirit, which guides us, which gives us purpose, which gives us peace, which gives us direction in our life. God's Holy Spirit that helps transform us from the inside out. And those are all great gifts that come along with choosing to recognize and to receive Jesus into our hearts and lives. And those are all gifts that that we search for in many different ways, right? We search for forgiveness in different ways. We search for eternity and meaning and purpose in different ways. Well, we do all of these different things. But these aren't gifts that we can buy. These aren't gifts that we can earn. These are gifts that God gives to us when we recognize and we receive Jesus. And I know that a lot of you here, you've done that. You've received these gifts. You've you've turned your life over to Jesus and said, I want you to come and dwell inside of me. I want your forgiveness. I want your mercy. I want a relationship with you. And and that's awesome. And I want to celebrate you here who have made that choice at some point in time. But I also know that there's some people here who might not have made that choice. There's some people here who have never made that choice to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world, as God's Son. There's some of you here who maybe have never invited Him to come into your life. You've never received Him and began that relationship with Him. And my guess is that that some of you who've never made that choice, you haven't made that choice because you, you don't feel like you're good enough. Maybe you don't feel like you measure up and you're not worthy of God's love. But the thing is, when we read this story, of Jesus and this thief on the cross, we see that God's love is for everybody. God's love is for all people. It's not just for people who who view themselves as moral or as good. It's also for people who view themselves as immoral or for people who think they're far from God. God loves everyone. Just as we are right now, God loves you. That's good news. That's good news. But, But some of you, maybe you know that. You know that God loves you, that that it's not about your worth or your your good deeds or anything like that. But when you think about your life, you just feel like you you don't know enough about Jesus. You haven't spent enough time in church. You don't know enough about God or or what's going on here or how to pray or any of that stuff. But one of the things this story reveals to us, as a preacher Adam Hamilton points out, is he, he says, look, notice... That Jesus didn't say, before I give you salvation, I need you to understand exactly everything in the Bible. I need you to understand that I'm fully human and I'm fully God. I need you to understand the Trinity. Jesus didn't say to the guy on the cross, hey, have you been baptized? Are you a member of a church? Are you all this stuff? He He didn't ask him any of those questions. Jesus saw that this man was turning towards him, that this man wanted a relationship with him. And so Jesus recognized that and received him. And Jesus gave him the promise of paradise, the promise of eternity. And I can relate with this because when I was in fourth grade, I was at a camp in the mountains of North Carolina. And on one of the final nights of camp, the preacher said, hey, if you've never made a choice for Jesus and you'd like to do that today, 
you'd like to receive eternal life and forgiveness and to invite him into your life to receive him, would you raise your hand? And I, my hand shot up. And I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. I, I hadn't read much of the Bible. I, I could read at that point. I knew my times tables, but that was about it. But I, I shot my hand up. And Jesus recognized me that day. And we began a relationship. But then five minutes later, after that preacher said that, the preacher said this. He said, hey, if you feel like you've known Jesus, but, but you've run far away from him, you've been living a life on your own, and you want to receive him again, and you want to rededicate your life, would you raise your hand? And my hand shot up again. I didn't really understand what was going on or what he was saying. But I knew, hey, I want Jesus. He loves me. I love him. I want a relationship with him. So my hand shot up twice. I didn't know everything. There will be a lot of room to grow, a lot of ways to grow. And that's how it is with Jesus with us. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have our lives cleaned up before we come to him. But still, there might be some of you who have never raised your hand. You've never chosen to enter into a relationship with Jesus because you're afraid that's going to cost you too much. And, and there's some truth there. That choosing to follow Jesus and to have him in your life, it's going to cost you some things. And for some people, they just can't, they just can't make that decision. Because Jesus says, when I come into your life, I want to be first. I want you to love me and to love other people. I want you to put other people before yourself. I want you to live selflessly like I live selflessly. And that's hard. And I get that. But as Billy Graham once said, I've never met someone who ever received Christ into their lives and regretted it. So maybe that's you. Or maybe... There's someone here today who just feels like it's too late. Maybe you feel like you're too old, you've lived too much of life. You've already made too many decisions. Maybe you feel like God's already given you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and, and you've ruined them. If that's you, this story reminds us that it is never too late. That it is never too late to receive Jesus into your life again and to have that restored relationship with him. He is always there with arms stretched out wide towards you, towards me, towards us. We serve a God of the second chance, of the third chance, of the fourth chance, of the fifth chance, on and on again. God's love is endless it's reckless, it's extravagant, it's for you and it's for me. God chose to enter into this world and to fix things when they were broken. Jesus chose to die on the cross to save us rather than to save himself. And now it's our opportunity to choose. Are we going to recognize him for who he is and receive him or not? And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never made that decision, if you've never chosen to have a relationship with Jesus and to say, you know what, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you love me, that you came and you died for me. I want forgiveness. I want this new life. I want this eternal life that this, this preacher is talking about. If that's you, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that in just a minute when we pray. And it's, it's by praying a simple prayer. It's just by, by saying to God what's on your heart, just saying, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. 
I want a new start in forgiveness. That, that's it. It's not complicated. There's no complicated formula or special thing you need to sign. The thief shows us that all it takes is a heart that's turned towards Jesus and that wants that relationship with him. But then I also know that a lot of you here, you've already made that choice. At some point in your life, you, you've chosen consciously to recognize Jesus and to receive his love for yourself. And that's an amazing thing. And I hope that, that when you received that gift and all the good things that come with it, that your life was transformed. But I also want to let you know this. That when we recognize Jesus and receive him into our lives, that's not the finish line. That is the starting line of our new life with him. That's the starting line of our faith. And once we've started this race, once we're going on this relationship and this journey with Jesus, we have to choose day after day after day after day to follow him anew. Every single day, following Jesus requires us to wake up and to say, Jesus, today I want to follow you. I want to be led by you. That's what Lord means. It means being the leader. It requires us saying, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want to follow you. Here's my life. It's something we have to say over and over and over again. And so maybe you feel like you just want to say that again today. Jesus, I love you. And I receive you once again. And when we pray, I want to invite you to do that as well with a simple prayer. One choice. It has the ability to impact everything. I hope you'll make it today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love and for Jesus. God, we thank you that when we feel far from you, you draw near to us. We thank you that, that you love people who look good on the outside and you love people who look dirty on the outside. God, you love people who are very religious in this world and you love people who don't like religion at all. God, you love us all. And you've chosen to reveal that love to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for that today. And God, this morning we want to offer you prayers. We want to offer you our hearts in our lives this morning. And so now I'm going to pray, and if you feel like you've never made a choice to follow Jesus and to recognize Him and receive Him into your hearts and your lives, I want to invite you to just pray this simple prayer after me in the stillness of your own heart. To just say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I'm sorry for my sins. And I ask for forgiveness. I recognize you are the Savior of the world, and I want you to be leader of my life. God, I want forgiveness, eternal life, and your Holy Spirit. That choice can change everything for you. Everything here and now. For those of you who, who've made this choice at some point in your life, you know Jesus. Maybe he's like your best friend or maybe you feel like he's a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. But I want to invite you to just simply pray this prayer. 
Jesus, I want you to lead me today. I once again hand my life over to you and I ask you to guide me. And I want you to transform me. God, we offer you these prayers. We offer you our hearts and we offer you our lives this day. God, by the power of your grace, help us choose to receive your son, Jesus, this morning.